What's up, everybody? This is Agitator, episode 14, Tokyo Fist. My name is Kelby Losak. That is J. David Osborne. And today we have a very special guest with us. Introduce yourself, guest. What's up? It's your boy, Lilder, streamer, rapper, producer, engineer, overall just creative person. What you been up to lately? Uh, working a lot, bro. Honestly, I'm just now coming out of like a really long stretch of like fucking just being a civilian like going to work doing my job like being responsible but it's cool because I'm, I'm ready to pop out and just like fuck around be creative again i got access to a studio space recently so and it's it's nice it's super nice hell yeah that's what's up yeah we all understand that civilian life that balance between work and creativity it's it's a constant struggle yeah, man. Sometimes I, I uh, just want to like quit my job, like frame one, just walk out, and it's like, dude, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, that's what both David and I did at at different points. I recently did that, but you got you have to have something. Like I still work. I just have to drum up shit all the time. Right, right, right. It's a preferable way of living. I could never work with a boss. My the way that I was an employee was that I would just do whatever I wanted to and when the bosses would get mad I would act like I didn't know where I was and then eventually they just assume that I'm mentally handicapped or something and then they they just leave you alone so that was my that was my work experience selling hot dogs and moving furniture I need to you just stay you just stay quiet hey you just stay quiet you know uh, Benjamin Franklin once said you can be quiet and have everybody think that you're an idiot or open your mouth and prove them correct. And I, I like I like to just I like to just stay quiet. That's that's what I'm known for on this podcast is being very quiet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, hi Rowan. My son just punched me in the ball. Hey, Good morning. Bam. God damn. Uh, he did it with such a smile on his face. Too. Oh yeah, they know. Uh, they know exactly what, what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what What's your day job right now, Dirk? Uh, I'm a pest control technician. Oh, okay. You're still doing that. I remember you uh, posting a trailer uh, a few years ago, I think, where you're like waving Roundup in the camera and like rapping in yeah, the car dude. and shit. Honestly, it's crazy. This is the longest run I've ever had at a job ever. Normally, it's like when I'm just over it, I'll just fucking leave, you know, because a job's a job, budget is a job. So it's like if I'm over it, I'll just move on to the next thing. But still doing this. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's a when you have a good lick, then you stay yeah, good. right. You enjoy it. He said, do I enjoy it? Fuck no. No. <laughs> uh, it ain't even the job itself. The job itself is like slightly therapeutic, like mixing chemicals, just walking around, spraying on shit. It's like pretty simple, pretty easy. Not too bad. It's the people. Crazy as shit. Uh, this lady like TLDR charged me up because I didn't ring her doorbell and I knocked on her door instead. And she was like, you know, I got a fucking doorbell. Like you should have rang my doorbell we argue she's hella belligerent i'm like look ma'am i'm not spraying in your unit like go back to the office and she is in the office and gets her husband to come in there and like charge me up too and he's like what'd you say to my wife bro like crazy shit it's like dog like 
this is for fucking roaches and ants. Like, you're doing this over pest control. Like, out of pocket, wild. God damn. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, some of the craziest shit that I would see was when I was delivering furniture. I'm, I would deliver up in Oklahoma City, and it's alarming how small people's life problems must be to get as mad as they do about dumb shit. There was one dude who I thought was gonna fight my boss because we brought a new TV stand, like a, what do you call this, like an entertainment center up to his uh, apartment. And we, we legally aren't allowed to mess with people's TVs because right. our insurance didn't cover it. And he was like, all right, thanks for setting up my entertainment center. This is exactly what he said, this is verbatim. But no, he said, uh, now go ahead and put that TV up there. And my boss said, sir, we can't touch. And before he could finish, the guy said, uh, pack up the entertainment center and get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and we were just like, dude, it's going to be okay, man. Yeah. That's my, that's my <laughs> one thing. It's like, uh, it, it, make, it trips me out how mad people are to like receive the thing they ask for. It's like, you get a package in the mail and you're expecting some shit. You're like kind of stoked. You're like, oh, my thing is here. But it's like you order a service like furniture or like a plumber, pest control, anything where somebody's got to come to your door. It seems like people are always like mad. They're like, oh, like you're here. It's like, dude, like, why are you so angry? Aren't you happy that I'm yeah. here? Right. So do you want to do this yourself? Yeah. Because exactly. I can give you the bottle of Roundup and see how you, how you fare with that. Right. What is the nastiest shit you've seen on the job? Nastiest? Okay. Uh... That's tough. I'm gonna break it two ways. So like the nastiest bug related thing, I went into a unit that it was like seen out of a fucking horror movie type shit. Like dim lighting, mm-hmm. you couldn't even see in the back of it uh, because it was just so fucking dark, no windows. It had been boarded up, quarantined. Uh, Cause like apparently the resident that lived there died and was like dead in there for like a while before anybody found him. He was just like a guy that like, didn't have any family nobody really checked up on him didn't give a fuck about him not even the neighbors and then like finally they went in there because he wasn't paying his rent too long and it was just insane literally the entire back wall was like infested like probably two to three thousand at once roaches craziest shit i've ever seen holy shit it was it was insane and then like of course they don't really know like what you do when you go in there so they're like oh like go in there and take care of the problem right they expect you're gonna go take care of it and it's like dude i got a little fucking spray can like we need a fucking real machine to do this shit it was was, we need a flamethrower yeah dude might as well just fucking burn the shit down at this point yeah it's like i don't even know how i go back and tell her that i did this because nothing i do is gonna fix it like uh as far as like animals though because we deal with that too uh this like little college apartment this girl was like you know freaking out because she kept hearing noises in her bathroom um and the vent in there i like pull it open and a squirrel got stuck in there but there's like a spinning blade in there as well and he just got like fucking completely mutilated there was like this squirrel just completely stuck in this air vent um and his like head was chopped off arms chopped off guts were like out everywhere bro it was gnarly (laughs) (laughs) i was not liking it at all 
God. Oh, what, so what do you, what do you do? Do you gotta just you gotta just scrape that out and put it in a little biohazard bag or something? Yeah, pretty How much. Does that work? Exactly. Just put it in a fucking biohazard bag and and dispose of it. Yep. Do you get to yeah. keep it if you want? Oh no. Nah. Okay. So I was fucking with people heavy because they didn't think that it was anything in there. So like I was waving it around in their face and shit. I was like, look what I found. Like yeah, I was definitely fucking with them for a little bit, creeping them out. I could have kept it <laughs> low key, but it it was pretty nutty. I was like, "Yo, I might take a picture of this. This shit is like insane." It looks like he just got like tortured <laughs> to death. It was crazy. Imagine you're this squirrel and you're just trying to like sneak into some chick's bathroom and you know watch her poop or whatever, and then you end up chopped into a hundred pieces by a fan. Yeah, exactly. That's gotta be. It's gotta be wild for animals now that they exist in modern society that humans have created. Just like I think about birds with those wind turbines, like the birds are just following migratory patterns that their ancestors have followed for thousands of years. And before you know it, half the flock is just decimated by this huge spinning white propeller blade. Right. Seems like a rough way to go. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and then it makes me think like what what if what if like aliens like what if when we die sometimes and it's really strange and nobody can figure out what it is it's just like that we got we got caught up in like the alien version of the fan blade you know dude i I can't even imagine you're just like completely unaware naive and then you just like walk into a a force field and it blows you across the fucking football field (laughs) length and you smash into a wall or some shit that'd be crazy honestly probably one of the better ways to go just completely unaware you're just thinking about squid game or something and then you die (laughs) and then that's it bro why is everybody have so have you seen alice in borderland as well no i've only seen squid game okay alice in borderland i seen that first and i think it's a little bit better i didn't understand the squid game hype like i get it because you know shit spreads the same way almost every single time but it's like after watching it especially the ending bro it's like oh man like the ending oh the ending was garbage that was hot garbage it was infuriating uh, i was so mad well because here's the thing the ending ep- so episode six where they're playing marbles i felt like that was really effective emotionally with the you know the old man and everything yeah. i felt bad for him and then they just completely erased that emotional impact at the end so yeah big I, I don't know what I did like about Squid Game, though, I liked the gore a lot. I thought the gore was really well done. Koreans know how to do stab effects really well. Really good. Have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen the Yellow Sea? No, not the Yellow Sea, no. Yeah, the Yellow Sea, have, have you ever, have you seen uh, the, the, the Chaser? This movie called The Chaser? I have seen that, actually. Okay, same director as The Chaser. Uh, Yellow Sea is a crime movie. I can't remember the exact plot, but there's a fight where it's like 50 dudes with knives and one guy with an axe. I think I'm remembering that correctly. And it's the the most stabbing fight scene. I, t- I said that totally wrong, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's a it's a fight scene with a lot of stabs. Nah, and I know what you mean. I fuck with that. Yeah, that shit is gnarly when they just, like, stab the shit out of somebody. Like, just crazy. It's like, I agree. Honestly, that's a good-ass point. In, like, Western media... It'll be like somebody will get stabbed and it'll be like in their gut and like real slow, like, you know, exaggerated and shit. Nah, they don't give a yep. fuck in Korea. They're just like, cha, 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 get you like a hundred times. Dude. This shit is gnarly. That's like uh, Doksu in Squid Game, the criminal, the big burly guy yeah. who uh, 
like when he was in the car with his former boss or whatever, the Filipino guy, yeah. and uh, and he just starts like stabbing that dude in the back of the neck over and over. I I, th- I thought I was in for a better ride than I ended up getting. I think it was just too long, dude. It should have been like six episodes. They should have like cut cut out the whole subplot with the undercover cop and the organ harvesting and all that, and just just stick to the game. I I, I think agree. it would have been much tighter. The undercover plot. Uh, undercover cop plotline or whatever it didn't like really touch me emotionally so it like just fell super flat at the end when it like mm-hmm. nothing came out of it you know? I know cause it like he gets shot in the arm and he falls off the cliff and that's that's movie speak for he's not dead right right and so but then I mean I guess he is dead unless season 2 he's gonna wash up on a beach somewhere which is probably what they're gonna do but I don't know dude I just didn't really I didn't care about that plot and then all of a sudden you know it's his it's his brother and i thought okay well whatever yeah i, mean, I thought we, don't, we were gonna have like a we don't we, we don't know how to care yeah i thought the front man would get like some character development and he's just like ah fuck it all right you're not gonna cooperate i just kill you like and then we never hear about it again it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah and then netflix will say squid game is the biggest show they've ever had and it's weird because it's like, it's like it's like prove it yeah how do you prove that it's like who's reporting these numbers netflix and so i th- i think that they said that squid game is so big because they just invested 500 million dollars on korean content right so i think they're kind of gassing up squid game to get people cuz people people will pay attention to something if they think it's popular that's literally all you have to do to be popular is just pretend that you're popular and people will will flock to it it's it's that simple true story that's how we you know get so many people to this show we're just like damn we're making five racks a month off of this shit like <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which by the way is true it's, it's also true uh because we have a sponsorship uh with who's our sponsor kelby i always forget is it adidas yeah some big company pays us a bunch of money Shit. My sponsor's the plug. They're listening. Sponsor me too. Damn it. Oh, I'll yeah. wear your t-shirt. We're, we're, <laughs> we're sponsored by the Yakuza. Bro. Yeah. <sighs> Yakuza, <laughs> man. I, I don't know if y'all have the news consoles, bro, but the latest RGG, uh, that's the studio that makes the Yakuza games. Their latest game is so fucking perfect. It's so good. Oh, I heard about this. What's it called? Lost Judgment. It's- that's it yeah no i love the yakuza game i've been playing dark souls 3 though so i'm all my time is taken up with that but i, w- I want to check that one out for sure nah you're 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 on the right path bro are you playing dark souls 3 for the first time yeah so i'm actually i'm like close to the end so i'm going through dlcs right now so i'm doing ashes of ariandel uh but yeah i got to the twin princes boss and they fucked me up over and over Hell again. Yeah. So I was like, I'll go do some DLCs for a little while. Nah, yeah, stay in the D- I mean, look, if you're going at a slow, decent pace, you, you're going to probably finish up right in time for Elden Ring to drop. I know. Oh, dude, I know. January 21st, bro. <laughs> I can't big, wait. It's a big day. It's a big day. Can't, you got to take off work for like a week, dude. Honestly. <laughs> that's that's almost how big a deal it is but i don't want to make the same mistake twice bro because i went like batshit crazy for uh cyberpunk 2077 and the game was mm-hmm. ass and i was so mad 
<laughs> I heard that. I didn't play it. I was just watching the coverage, and I it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Yeah, bro, it was bad, bad. Never again. I was watching you go through it too. <laughs> they had graphical issues or something? Oh, bro, way more than graphic issues, dog. Graphic issues, just like overall gameplay issues. You couldn't fucking turn in certain quests. You would just walk around and like shit would just fall out of the sky and then blow up and it would like cause a chain reaction that would blow up a bunch of other shit like it would be crazy it'd be like real small shit right you drive by a car and the car would disappear and then like you'd go back in that same area later and then the car would reappear but there would be like a crowd of people in the spot where the car was before and it would just explode them like it it was fucked up the game was not ready to be sold to people <laughs> oh man <laughs> damn yeah, when it's like, um, when it affects how you're playing, that shit's annoying. Whenever it's like, like the glitchy shit, I always pretend it's part of the game if it's small enough. Like, uh, when your uh, horse will just randomly like buck you in Red Dead or something, but then you'll go like flying through the air. I'll just pretend that's like part of the game. I'm like, damn, my spastic horse just knocked me off again, sent me flying. You were the. You were the squirrel. You were the squirrel that ran into the fan. Exactly. That's what yeah. happened. <laughs> exactly, bro. Yeah, there was a time when uh, I was playing uh, Borderlands 2, and I turned in a quest, and, like, it glitched, and, like, it completed, but it didn't give me any money. It, like, popped up that, like, the, uh, like, all the, you know, shit that you get, except it didn't actually give it to me, and so I just pretended I got gypped. And I was like, God damn it, they fucking, I ain't working for them anymore. Bro, that's real deal immersion, man. <laughs> the game is good enough where you could just be content with that shit. Honestly, I feel like that's a good game. Borderlands 2 is a good-ass game, though. Yeah, yeah, that game goes hard. I feel like they're still yeah. trying to like punch up towards like how good Borderlands 2 was. Even though the third one is really, really solid, it just, like... I, I guess it's because we're so used to that like style of game because a lot of other games came out and copied it that like playing the third one it doesn't hit the same as like when you play the second one for the first time i got a random game related question you're a, you're a twitch streamer right yeah. okay have you have you played both uh sekiro and ghost of tsushima yeah okay which one is, I, I beat sekiro which one is is ghost of tsushima better worth it different uh, it's they're like in two completely different stratospheres it depends on what you're a fan of if you're a fan of like mm -hmm. really weird like occult like wacky shit Sekiro for sure but like mm -hmm. if you fuck with like samurai movies and shit like bro what's that movie like with Tom Cruise where he's a samurai you know what I'm talking about last samurai, last samurai, last samurai. type shit yeah then like I would go with Ghost of Tsushima that's kind of what it feels mm. like and he's got like the internal conflict going on there's more of a story present right and then like right. you're not like flying through the air doing like crazy insane moves and shit but i would say it's like really hard because i love the gameplay of sekiro because it feels like dark souls mm -hmm. and it has like yeah. parrying in it uh just yeah. built into it which is fucking sick but then ghost of tsushima also has a really nice parry system uh they're they're both really good games i would say i'm gonna give the w to ghost of tsushima because i think all around okay it like it has everything 
like Sekiro has like if I rated the gameplay right I'd give it a 10 but as far as like the storytelling like the other aspects they're a little bit lower where like the Mm -hmm. Ghost of Tsushima gameplay is like an 8 but then it has like story Mm -hmm. and it has a bunch of fucking side quests shit to collect fucking extra little special secret shit that like ramps it up a little bit more it's it's all around a little bit more well-rounded and it's a longer game too yeah well for me Sekiro was my first from software game my first like Soulsborne game and it took me it took me two weeks to beat the sword saint uh i just basically would get to the end of the day and play for like half an hour and get my ass whipped until i finally learned all the patterns and shit but also this is what i like about all the game like bloodborne all those games is that you feel you feel really accomplished when you when you beat a boss in one of these games because you feel like you've been through it like I'm at Ashes of Ariandel right now, and you have to fight through all these wolves and Vikings <laughs> yeah, and shit. I know what you're talking and about. And I feel like I feel like Jon Snow on that episode of Game of Thrones where he's like getting crushed by bodies. You remember that one where he's like, "That's that's that's like how I feel after playing Dark Souls, right? That I'm like muddy and beaten, but I won." Uh, and then I go and play like other. I, I tried playing like Neo, and it all just felt a little bit too clean for me, I guess. Nah, see, that's the thing about Souls games in general is, like, it's the journey, not the destination. Because, like, with every Souls game, once you kind of got it dialed in and figured out, you could beat this shit in, like, two hours. Like, in a fucking hour and a half sitting. It's, like, the whole point of the game is to kind of, like, go through that experience, right? You get your ass whooped, and then you, like, go back through again, right? Every time you go through, you get a little bit better. It's, like, whenever Mm -hmm. you watch a movie where somebody repeats the same day over and over, by, like, the 20th time, they're, like, fucking saying shit to people before they say it themselves you know it's like that's kind of how you move through the game you fuck up all that small enemies and then even during the boss you know you got it down to like almost like a rhythm you know it's fucking it's fire that feeling is like a lot of other games kind of try to like copy souls like games and like replicate that but i think they get it down the best you know they're originators yeah. of that shit it's, it's a fire feeling well said yeah you just related dark souls to groundhog day <laughs> <laughs> no he's he's a he's a hundred percent right though because yeah. last night when i was playing i was like okay i run through here i sneak up on the mob i fucking backstab this guy then i run down the cliff on the right side stab the wolf before it can howl and alert the other wolves run up kill the viking guy avoid the exploding arrows you just you just start to and then you get past the exploding arrows and oh there's like a baby bird monster with knives on its fingers that chops you up okay so that's the next exactly that's the next thing yeah you, you know? turn the corner you're like yeah I finally beat it and then you didn't know that there was like a bomb behind the door and it blows up and kills you and you're like fuck all yeah. right start over <laughs> <laughs> yep and some people hate that shit like I saw that there are people who want an easy mode on Dark Souls. And I'm like, that defeats the whole purpose. You yeah, gotta get good. That'd be a short game, shit. You would feel like you didn't get your money's worth. I know. I'm at, I'm on like uh, 36 hours right now, so I definitely got I definitely got my 15 bucks worth or whatever. <laughs> right. It's like, like 40 percent off in the store or something. But yeah, Elden Ring. That's gonna we're gonna shift Agitator to an Elden Ring exclusive podcast. So you'll have to come back and talk about Elden oh, Ring. Oh, I, I will have so much to say. Speaking of painful, immersive experiences, uh, 1995's Tokyo Fist, directed by Shinya Tsukamoto, is the subject of today's episode. 
Um, I'm curious what, because when I hit you up to come on, I just had a feeling that like, I was like, I think Dirt would be the perfect guest for this one. So I'll see if he wants to watch it. And you were already like, oh yeah, the movie goes hard as fuck. So I was like, oh, perfect. So what was your, uh, when did you first see this movie? Like what, um, what's your history with it? Uh, my history with it. So I kind of like seen um, other similar like anime. I don't know. There's nothing like fully, fully, fully similar to it. But I seen some other shit like Megalobox and shit like that. And uh, I don't know. I just on a YouTube comments section kind of like got recommended. I was watching anime on YouTube. I know that's like sacrilegious type shit. People don't do that no more. If you've really been watching the anime a long time, you know what I'm talking about. And even now, you could watch like full episodes, but back in the gap, you had to like watch like part one, part two, part three, because yep. people could only upload like 10 minute videos and shit. They don't know, but I just got recommended like some shit by that in a YouTube comment section, checked it out. I had to fucking rip it though, because I couldn't find it on any like streaming services. I had to like steal that shit, but watched it and it was fire. It's like, I don't know. it. That this movie taps into like some like I don't know sometimes you watch shit and it like you get like angry inside a little bit I don't know it's like you think uh, like you're imagining if that happened to me and it kind of just makes you like <clears throat> like tense up I don't know that movie makes me do that like 17 times like the whole time it's crazy yeah 100% uh what would you do if you came home and found found your homie chopping it up with your girl like how he was bruh uh i don't know it's different like because i feel like i'm so laid back a person that like my first instinct would not be to think anything too 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 crazy but like not like how uh not how they're doing it in that shit bro uh i don't know all in all i feel like it'd be a different situation for me because i'm not i'm not going out like how my man went out i'm not getting whooped like that <laughs> if shit escalated bro i'm not getting whooped like that but like i would definitely kind of red flags would start going off like instantaneously bro i don't know it would what, what do you think david if not not one of not me not if you caught me in in your home but like uh like an old homie i feel like you can feel sexual tension it's a vibe so it would really depend on if I felt that vibe or not. My instincts are 100% honed in and accurate. And I've learned through my 34 years on this planet to trust my gut. So if I walked in and my gut told me that something was going on, I would have thrown him out the window. But <laughs> if, if I went in and I just got friend vibes from it, you know, honestly, I'd probably still have a conversation. I'd still be like, Bro, it's a little weird that you're in my house drinking tea with my girl. Like that's, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Um, and I, I just, I just don't think that it, it doesn't really necessarily come from a place of insecurity. It's just a respect issue. Like it's just kind of disrespectful to, to do that. You know, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Like an invasion of privacy. See? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Erica could open the shower curtain on me, like, whenever she wants. Like, more than welcome to. But, like... Oh, hell yeah. Someone just kind of comes in the house when I'm, like, unannounced. Even if it's, like, a friend or whatever. And I'm, like, walking around in a towel and be like, Bro, why, why did you knock? <laughs>
Right. Right. Because, yeah, it's, it's, you know, if I came home and somebody was, like, playing with my son or something, it's just weird, you know? It's like, a, it's like you said, it's an invasion of your private home life. I don't know. I feel naive, bro, because my first assumption, like I said, if it's not weird, like, if it's not off, rip, like, frame one as soon as I see it, if I don't feel that, like you said, that, like, sexual tension, then my first assumption is, like, you were invited here, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But also, mm-hmm. low-key, we keep this shit locked up at all times, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, if somebody's in here, they had to have been invited inside, let inside, so, like... I feel like it would be like, like a vampire <laughs> or yeah. yeah exactly like a vampire bro <laughs> yeah you're not getting in here unless like we let you in so i don't know my first assumption is like okay like you were asked to come here or something like that like that it, that has to be the case because if you just pulled up and you're here chilling like i don't know then then it does start to like shift into that shit it's like that's like some fucking porn intro shit like hey i'm here mm-hmm. to see your husband oh he's not here you can wait for him on the couch type shit like yeah 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 so for the li- for the listeners kelby i feel like we should give some background here would you mind uh giving some some context for what we're talking about yeah well i was yeah so like all three of us too we're not like the uh the dudes in this movie um by any means <laughs> <laughs> or and also don't uh our 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 girls, our ladies, are not like the woman in this movie either. So at all, bro. She's wildin'. She's an L girlfriend. <laughs> so the plot of this movie basically is um, an insurance salesman uh, whose father is dying, and he's going through it. Comes home one day to find an old friend, rival, question mark sitting at his table with his girl and jealousy ensues so basically the uh the other man is a um introduced as a champion boxer and he's like sort of the he's the alpha to our our guy suda's beta and um there's sort of a woman caught between and what that spirals into is basically a battle of the simps like this is a movie about violent simptitude Um, (laughs) (laughs) because turns out Kojima the boxer guy is uh, sort of overhyped like I love the first fight where Hizuro the woman goes to actually like she's kind of bouncing between these guys like sort of playing uh I don't want to say loose because she's not even giving it up for the majority of the movie to either of them but like she's sort of teasing them both and going back and forth and the first fight she goes to dude wins but it's really lame even like the the crowd like boos they're like boo and he's like holding up his holding up his fists like rocky style like yeah and they're just like this is stupid but um how did y'all like feel about the uh, uh about the unraveling of the characters to like all be in this like you know it seems super simple at first and then it's like oh everyone's a liar like every character is a liar about who they are yeah like 
I don't know, but see, me, I'm into some of that shit. Like, if my girl was, like, kind of, you know, basic, normal, citizen, law-abiding, and then she's like, nah, I'm trying to get piercings, turn my shit up, go crazy, I would be like, that's fire. Like, why didn't you do that from the start? <laughs> why weren't you why weren't you on that kind of life from the beginning like but nah i feel it's crazy because i feel like it, they're bringing that shit out of each other like they're like like you said the unraveling of the characters i feel like the like conflict between them is what's like driving that oh for sure and like the um well because they do go through there is that like lying twist where it turns out nobody's who you thought they were uh and it, it's su- it's subtle i'm like amping it up like it's this major reveal or something but like you subtly discover that everyone's full of shit and but um and then they all start changing like going wild like you know suda decides he needs to get really into boxing so that he can beat the fuck out of uh kojima and um he starts training like crazy yeah, he trains like crazy, and then, yeah, Hizuro is going on this, or Hizuru, I'm probably butchering everyone's name, but she uh, goes crazy with the piercings and shit, and that's, it's kind of a continuing theme in Tsukamoto's uh, movies, like, that I've seen by him at least, where it's these, like, defiant women who go almost crazy, or who go full batshit crazy, by uh like sort of this prison of domestication basically like they feel trapped and they just go fucking bonkers yeah honestly that's that's kind of like powerful though lowest of keys it's like almost like similar to like a dog in a cage type shit you know what i mean you're trapped in like a specific role in in like society i feel like for as like early into like eastern media it is it, it that imagery is like so crazy because i feel like even nowadays like over there they're still on like you know be an upstanding citizen right like contribute to society get a job like if you're like a woman you know you either also get a job as well or like you like domesticate take care of the household i feel like those ideals are still like really important to them so like that shit is crazy how it's just like so, so obviously like defying of that like idea like it's fire it's fire to me you don't see that a lot in like eastern media yeah it's crazy that some of these movies even get um made when like because i always you know i don't under, i don't know all the politics over there or anything but like they do feel dangerous and act like actively defiant because their society is very much like that as far as i know like generally you know what i mean like it yeah it it could be kind of like over here where in the south you're like expected to act a certain way but it's not like you're not going to prison for getting a tattoo on your face or anything but but you're gonna definitely get looked at a certain way like people are gonna assume that you're probably a troublemaker like yeah, rightfully so. I mean, you know, that's why I got tattoos on my face to warn everybody that I'm <laughs> right, let them know. Exactly. Yeah, let them know. See, the tattoo on the face thing doesn't even phase me because I, f- I feel like I've always been around people who've had tattoos on their face. Like my wife's, my mother-in-law has tattoos on her face. Uh, like, I don't know. When I started seeing how crazy some of the SoundCloud rappers went, I, I just kind of felt... You, you remember uh, HostGator.com? Remember this guy? 
who named oh. who named himself after a website. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. This, this this is the guy who had like he had like Pornhub tattooed on his on his forehead, and God it's damn. kind of a sad story because he was he just he needed the money, and so he gave up his uh, he turned his head into a canvas, and there's like you know Brazzers, Pornhub, bum fights, like all the shit tattooed on his face. Whenever I saw, you know, I think I, the first person I saw who had like crazy tattooed face was like either like the Suicide Boys or Lil Peep or somebody like that, and I just thought like, oh man, they're 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 so they're so young, and they've just filled up they filled up their whole face already. God damn, but I don't know. It's like never never struck me as as weird. Yeah, no, I feel that. It's all about content, I think, because like if you've got a bicycle and a palm tattooed on your cheek, then I'm gonna just assume you're soft. But like, I actually a bicycle, <laughs> <laughs> a bicycle. So like, what? So guys can ride your face? What is that about? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like an invitation, like a, a symbolic invitation. Right. <laughs> I guess it doesn't have to be guys. I don't know why I made it a gay thing. It could go either way. Yeah, women but, can uh, ride face. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you went there. <laughs> I feel like that's Freud, the preferred Freudian slip. gender for for that activity. Honestly, like that's where I would have gone. But David's going through some unexplored, <laughs> <laughs> some unexplored emotions. Um, it's because I'm thinking about that um, that Montero song. What's the guy? The guy's the the cowboy guy. What's his? Uh, Lil Nas, bro. He's Lil an icon. That, Honestly, that, this is the greatest shit ever. But he says he says writing face. He talks about writing a dude's face in that in that song. So that's what I was thinking of. Okay. So Shut you, up, Kelby. You were thinking of Shut guys. Shut up, Kelby. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay that you're thinking of guys. Like yeah, bro. It's 2021. We got Lil Nas X now. Anything goes. Yeah. All right. It, it's all, all right. It's all totally cool. All right. Hold on. We're cutting this whole episode. Hold on, we're editing this whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. No, nope, um, this is all staying in. <laughs> I'm I'm the editor, so it's all uh, yeah. I make those yeah. decisions, and what, you can't uh, do anything about it because obviously I'm the alpha male. <laughs> there you go. I'm Have you heard of Sigma si- males? Si- si- I was about to say Sigma. I was about to say I'm a Sigma bro. I go Sigma. my own way. You know, like that's that's what you want to be. You don't want to be the alpha. You yeah, be you want to be this Sigma, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, y'all caught me. He got he got me there. <laughs> but speaking of gay shit, there's a there's a little bit of gay shit in a Tokyo Fist too, where um the the guys become a lot more obsessed with each other. Each other, bro. And and when the reveal of like their history together, and this is great. Like I I really think this is great storytelling because we get so immersed in the movie just what's going on from the beginning we don't even find out these two have they obviously know each other but we don't know if they like if they're rivals if one of them wronged each other if they're old friends and the dude's just jealous but then it turns out like we get their history like almost at the end of the movie where um there was this girl that they saw being beat up and shit and they uh they was it kojima actually kills her assaulter right or he like beats him up or something i'm trying to remember how that went down no i think he i think he whoops him there's a i feel like though there's a lot of shit that like in the movie is like it's obvious that they're dead but it's like they don't 
they don't say that they're dead. Like even with Kojima, when he, bro, when they when they beat the shit out of his face, bro. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like bro, that he's dead. Like he's got to be dead. There's no way. Like <laughs> there's no way. That shit is crazy. No, the gore in this movie is insane. So it's like, insane, it was... bro. It's so good though. But like basically, they, I, I think yeah, he does whip him. And then they pledge to, like, he and Suda pledge to get vengeance for this girl. And, like, because the cops pick him up and they actually, they take the dude to prison. That's what happens. Like, the dude who assaulted her, he goes to prison. Um, They end up, the girl is dead, actually. Like, they beat her to death. And they pledge vengeance together they're gonna train in boxing so that they can beat his ass when he gets out of prison and kojima is the only one who follows through with that promise whereas suda kind of you know he gets a job and shit and he kind of just forgets about the whole thing i thought that uh the the gore that you guys were talking about there's some noteworthy scenes towards the end i just the montage at the end is going to stick in my head forever Specifically, when Suda just starts bleeding in the hospital, and the blood is just spewing everywhere, all yes, over the nurses sir. and everything, and uh, and then uh, Hizuru uh, has like, and this is like some kind of dream or uh, hell world or something, but she's got like poles through her skin that she rips out. Yeah, she starts uh, ripping everything out, bro. That shit is that scene is like implanted in my mind. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like there's a quote from the Tom Mess book Iron Man, which is about the cinema of Shinya Tsukamoto, and he says this. I thought this was good. What lies at the heart of the film and of Tsukamoto's work is that there is no confrontation with without decay, pain, or death. Uh, the positive cannot be valued or even sensed without exposure to the negative. In Tsukamoto's work, experiencing and enduring pain is a method to rediscover your senses and to be reminded of the fact that you are alive. This is not as fantastical or odd as it may sound. None of us may intentionally wish to experience pain, but the director's message is essentially nothing more than pinching yourself to realize that you're dreaming. Pain is the ultimate form of awareness of one's body and environment. I thought that quote was good. Nah, that's on the money for this movie. Yeah, 100%. And that that goes all across the board. Through, I mean, everybody understands that, whether they uh, want to agree with it or not. You know, from workaholics to, like, body mod people... Um, everyone's basically trying to experience some level of torture to feel like that they're alive you have to think about it from a historical perspective and the fact that we were human beings for a hundred thousand years and we've only been domesticated for maybe six thousand really civilization started three thousand years ago with the invention of agriculture in uh syria but you know where where we're at now is just kind of a blip on the radar and the life of a human being before that was nothing but pain and disease and death and so i think that in the current sort of neoliberal hellscape that we live in where we have uber eats and comfy couches and shit like that that's where all the depression and anxiety that we feel comes from because that animal brain that's always looking for tigers and bears and shit doesn't have anything else to do so it just makes up shit to be scared of 
you know? It's like, oh, I'm having an anxiety attack. About what? You're on a couch. <laughs> There's nothing to be scared of. <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, that's where that shit comes from. Like, whenever, uh, um, uh, you know, we're to the point where everyone has either at least some kind of diagnosable disorder or several, and it it's because what else is the brain going to do? Like, it you know it, it's just freaking out because there's nothing to be uh, on guard about or there's not as much you know in the scope of in the historical like zoomed out scope of things there's not nearly as much to be so panicked about so nah i feel you it's it's wild to me because it's like on the same vein of that all of that shit is like slightly alleviated by like the release of endorphins right you get like happy you eat but like you said it's like you also release endorphins when you feel pain so it's like everybody has some shit going on inside of them internally at this point where we are in the world and shit like that and like endorphins kind of like help with that but they're also released during pain so it's like people are always kind of like low-key leaning or gravitating towards like hurting themselves in some way to like get that release like even if they are unaware of it because it like alleviates the other shit going on inside of them it's like so fucking weird the brain is crazy Uh, it's it's kind of also it goes to a spiritual level too where i think that if you since human beings are creatures that are sort of made to feel pain if you think about before we incarnate on this earth I feel like we're kind of given this option to do it or not. And I'd like to picture it as the as the desk at, you know, like Pawn Stars or something. And you go up and they show you what lives they have op- available. And you're like, hmm, can I get one that's like, you know, maybe 80 years long? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got an 80 years long one. But, you know, your, uh, your legs are going to get chopped off or something like that you're like i don't know about legs getting chopped off how about something a little bit shorter with no leg chopping they're like oh perfect i got a you know a 60 year old life you're gonna die of cancer but it's mostly pain-free and so then you pick that one right um but then you get incarnated and you're there because in like a spirit realm you can't feel any pain uh because you're like this fourth dimensional being that's outside of time so part of the part of the like the reason why this earth exists is as a like a time cage to experience everything that human beings experience and so like the the spirits and gods or whatever you want to call them they respond to pain and they reward you for it that's why like there's things like human sacrifice and uh you know just like working really hard and you know the pain of working out and then having muscles grow and shit like that like pain is like not just physiologically but spiritually necessary to accomplish your whatever your goals might be the universe has to know that you're serious is what i'm saying like yeah, you're holding no, up your you, deal you. yeah your merit's got to be tested it's like uh dark souls like what y'all were saying with that bro um yeah the money it's crazy though so how, i i see because i have that kind of same understanding of this shit but it's like also i'm like well how do you explain people who are like gluttons for pain you know what i mean they like they not only do they have endorphins released but they get dopamine too because like pain is like pleasurable to them it's like now how do you explain that like i mean it's i mean that's just basically yeah that that was kind of their 
their deal. I think it, that probably comes down to a physiological thing of wires being crossed and the dopamine getting released. But also, I mean, so there's a phrase that I like a lot, which is that the opposite of hate isn't love, it's indifference, right? And so I think that's kind of the same thing with pain and pleasure. Like the opposite of pain is not, is not pleasure. Those are actually very similar things. The opposite of that is just nothing. Like on some SSRIs, everything tastes like ash. Uh, you kind of zombie walk through your day from one day to the next, just running out the clock before you die. Burn, so I think yeah. that, uh, I think that those things are closer than we might at first. That's at how first I believe them at least. Yeah. They're more similar than they are like opposite to each other. Yeah. I wonder if the, if you go through this life, having some sort of experience with the, the outer like fourth dimension, um, unlocks that too and like more than just wires being crossed like if you sort of have an understanding of both and then you start to like understand pain a little differently where it's like you see it as even more of a positive thing like more of a purpose to be here mm. and um because mm -hmm. that's kind of how i feel because i have like you know i've died twice in my life and come back obviously because mm. i'm still here i'm destined to record this podcast about Japanese extreme cinema so <laughs> so like no no you have to go back and pod like, oh okay I'll go back god damn right you do <laughs> but uh and yeah I don't know I just I just feel more in touch with that animal brain that we're that we have no use for anymore really so I I enjoy a lot of that shit I, I love fights like I don't like confrontation uh like, I'm not scared of it, but I don't, like, pursue it. I'm not, like, a shit stirrer. But if there is a fight, like, I'll just jump in it. Like, yeah, no, I, I feel like that as well. It's, like, I'm never the first person to throw a punch, but it's, like, I feel really comfortable giving in to, like, my animalistic urge to, like, protect myself in any situation. Whether it's just, like, literally get the fuck out of there or, like, get rid of this thing in front of you. It's, like kind of you have to just like surrender to that because that shit is what's gonna fucking keep you alive type shit i don't know it's like that survival like i'm a survivor is like how i look at myself i'm not a shit stirrer but like when it comes down to it like whatever means necessary like i'm not going out like that yeah hell no not not going out in a geyser of uh raspberry faced blood <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> That bonding scene where they, I call it the bonding scene, like, cause they have, uh, Suda and Hizuro have this, like, moment where, um, she, she wants to stop him from bashing his brains against the wall because she won't take him back. So she just starts punching him herself and then they fight each other and he's just this, his face is this insane, like, giant swelled up berry of gore yeah it's nutty it's uh it's so when i seen it i forgot to i left out that uh based off of like my explanation of watching anime on youtube and shit in multiple parts i was like fucking 16 17 when i watched this so i was probably a little bit too young to like be seeing some of the image imagery because they keep shit like that from you like your whole life that's like our society right like sex is 1000% okay but like god forbid violence like you know what I mean but uh so seeing that shit for the first time it was like crazy and I had already fucked around on like 
you know more deep web shit in the past like more raunchy websites and shit so i've seen some crazy shit but like even just some of the scenes in this movie definitely at the time were like what the fuck am i watching like it definitely shook me up but it kind of i don't know for me specifically that kind of stuff definitely like releases something inside of me that like i don't know feels good it feels i i like like i I, some people look away but i like i like to see that shit i like to see the gore and shit like that even when it's like as crazy as it is in that movie it's just feels you bring up you bring up an amazing point which is the fact that we just like violence and gore and that's all there is to it one thing that i'm tired of in like critical evaluations of film books uh video games whatever is that they try to explain away the the violent aspect take a movie like fight club they'll be like well it's a it's a critique of violence no 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 it's not that it's not that deep we we enjoy watching people beat the shit out of each other why do you think mma is so popular right now because it's fucking fun to watch guys beat the shit out of each other and when people want to do pearl clutching and say oh they're you know they're giving themselves brain damage dude nobody cares nobody cares we we like watching that shit and it's that simple bro being a prize fighter is one of the oldest professions it's right there with being a sex worker bro since the olden yep. days people have been beating the shit out of each other for money <laughs> since the fucking dawn of time people have been beating the shit out of each other for sport yep yeah yep, yeah exactly and it, 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 it's it's a um it's sort of transactional at times too where it's like i'll fight you for it you know when you yeah. come here. <laughs> it's like you both want one thing and it's like it's, there's no like okay let's come to a diplomatic resolution it's like no bro i'll fight you for it yeah man yep. i feel like that plays into like i don't know at all times for me at least since i like started getting into more like spiritual shit in uh when i was in college it's like i walk around at all times with like the understanding that i'm an animal bro like you know just like a dog like a cat we just have different mannerisms and communication you know fucking speech patterns and shit like that i don't really consider it more advanced but it's just like it's different because all the time you have like these animalistic urges and it's like sometimes it's okay to give in to them like it doesn't make you fucking i don't know that's the way that i look at it like whenever you have like these urges because it's like people like stigmatize some it's like people view like the animalistic urge right to fucking mate you know what i mean is not really seen as like bad as like the animalistic urge to beat the shit out of somebody like or like confront somebody with violence and shit but it's the same thing it's like that same like natural response that your body is like sending a strong signal that you need to do this right now because this is what your body needs like type shit i don't know it's like we're 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 just animals at the end of the day i don't know we're just fucking mammals like shit is even the like weakest most cowardly among us are descendants of people who survived so it's in there in the lizard brain yeah exactly oh yeah yeah and and it's like i feel like the 
disorder really comes from uh it, it's not like oh my god why are you uh why are you so sexually expressive or why are you so into like this violent shit it's like it really should be the inverse it's like this is normal like this is human yeah you pretending you're not into it is what's kind of fucked up like i don't know what's wrong with you (laughs) yep it's the fucking conditioning that it's like society and shit like that you know everybody is like even though we're more individual as a society than like we've ever been which is like weird because there's still like this big hive mind but like at the same time people are being encouraged to like be themselves i think more like in the mainstream media than i've ever seen at least as a kid but at the same time it's like there still is a fucking stigma around like you know giving into those things and and being that way it's like people still kind of want you to be in that box and and but i feel like it's because that's like obedience you know what i mean at the end of the day like they do still want you to like obey the overall idea that like you know you're just a fucking person in a society i feel like if everybody starts giving into those urges more and more and more then like we get closer to fucking chaos but i I say send it like you know what i mean the forever let's go like yeah, it's time for chaos. chaos and anarchy it's time dude yeah we've tried system we've tried democracy and communism capitalism we tried it all it's time to go back time to go back to where people had homesteads and lived off the land and i do so there's two brains that i have one brain is the is the brain that understands the society that we live in and what might work and what might not work but my ideal utopian society is like basically everybody has land and you work the, that land in a permaculture sense everybody has a 3d gun printer uh and and they're the only thing that we have to worry about how to how to keep keep up and moving is electricity and the internet and everything else you take care of you take care of your sewage you take care of your food all of it right but that's that's like my that's like my ideal utopia is a 3d gun printed permaculture where we like we could we could turn like uh we could turn our current politicians into human batteries and use them for electricity i think that would probably work bro hell yeah yeah matrix style i'm down yeah. for that the main thing i want to <laughs> see is just like i want to fucking as a like a contributor to society like I want to actually be rewarded with like something fucking real like i don't know it's like yeah money is tangible you can hold it and shit like that but it's not it's not fucking real like money is not real like everything that you your paycheck is not fucking real like i don't know it's like i would i'd rather be like compensated with something like tangible i don't know like i mean tangible but real like i don't know like doesn't even have to be like fucking coins gold or anything like that just like i would i would fucking work for trades and shit like that i'd work for fucking supplies type shit like that i just hate the idea of like going to fucking contribute all of my like skill and effort to somebody else for their benefit for like a concept like because money is Mm -hmm. just like a fucking concept i don't know i hate that shit it drives me crazy are you into crypto uh i i want to my dad is like 
into crypto he's like hip to all this shit he's like a fucking early adopter of a lot of shit so like he's doing well with that that's all he does for like a living and shit just because he got on it like at an early stage but like crypto to me is fucking weird dude it is weird it is weird it's uh yeah i was just wondering because off the concept of money just being a concept with crypto you have blockchain right and y'all know it's like blockchain is this permanent ledger of transactions yeah there's a philosopher named nick land who wrote this very confusing piece nick land is like a kantian uh accelerationist end of times cthulhu philosopher that's the best way i could describe him but he posits that crypto is actually a kind of hyperstitional god that's like kind of i guess ushering in the end times or whatever or like in the new times and the and the whole reason is is because the blockchain because it is a permanent ledger that is set in stone by you know dozens and dozens of algorithmic you know computations that it's the first time in human history that we have a solid proof of of time so crypto becomes a, a structure of of actual actual time which basically i guess sort of is better than fiat current currency right because fiat currency like you said isn't really based on anything you have a dollar it's like what does that what does that even mean yeah you know but uh but crypto is, is backed with stuff like this but i'm i guess i'm getting a little off topic but shit's interesting nah, that shit is intriguing to me i could talk about that forever because that's like super fucking interesting i, I mean it's, it's so wild that he's comparing it to like the end of times type shit like almost like fucking lovecraftian like <laughs> that's so fire yeah that's how you have to break down math to make it interesting basically yeah <laughs> yeah if you think of math as an evil god that's basically uh that's how i look at it because i don't understand it but uh <laughs> But no, yeah, he he wrote a, another book called Fanged Numina. He's kind of a problematic figure because he he became pretty right wing and he holds some views that I don't about immigrants and you know all that kind of all the boring discourse that we get inundated with on Twitter all the time. So, but he's a he's an interesting thinker. You know, his his head goes to to weird places. But he's known for uh, when he was a teacher. Uh, he would just like lay on the floor and say nonsense words into the microphone and that would be the the class so a true a truly eccentric guy uh who's uh definitely worth checking out yeah, but dude, um I, I i wrote the name down i'm definitely gonna fucking look him up yeah uh y'all want to hear a little bit about the making of this movie because i have some i have some fun facts here that Probably, are kind of yeah. funny fucking go crazy. Yeah. yeah lay it on us Okay, so first of all, Kojima in the movie, his real name is Koji. That is uh, Shinya Tsukamoto's brother. So the two guys in this movie are brothers. Koji is uh, his younger brother. And he started boxing. This is real life. He started boxing at 23. And then he got into one fight and got really fucked up. So he became a trainer instead. So he trained other boxes for about five years. And so he started getting into it at like 28 back at 28 and his mom was really concerned that he was going to get fucked up again because I guess he's not a very not a good boxer but uh so Tsukamoto actually started coming up with the idea for this film as a way to keep his brother from actually getting back into real fighting he's like why don't you be an an actor instead so his brother at the time was working as a head chef at a very prominent restaurant in Tokyo 
and didn't want to quit his job. So Tsukamoto would just like call him up and talk about how much fun making movies is. He'd just call him up and be like, hey man, movies are cool. You should quit. You should quit. Uh, <laughs> so he does, obviously, because the movie gets made. And uh, Tsukamoto couldn't find funding for it, which is weird because Tetsuo and Tetsuo 2 were such big hits. But people kind of like, they didn't really know what, was, what the movie was about because Tsukamoto didn't have a script. Two, two months before shooting, he hires the scriptwriter to write it. The scriptwriter comes up with the idea of the love triangle. Tsukamoto wants to change some shit. The screenwriter says, well, you know, you use my script or, you, or, or I walk. So Tsukamoto's like, all right, bet. So the guy walks. And Tsukamoto <laughs> just, like, takes out of his screenplay all the stuff that he wants. And so Koji, who's not an actor, he uh, was practicing his lines. And he wasn't, he was like, they were filming his uh, rehearsals and he was noticing all the mistakes that he was making and he would tell Shinya about he'd be like oh I'm blinking too much or you know or I didn't say that line right and Shinya wouldn't give him any direction he would just be like mm-hmm yep <laughs> so like just just fucking with his head right like just making him like doubt himself <laughs> of all the stuff that I read about Shinya Tsukamoto he seems like kind of an asshole who makes really good movies but uh, so they make the movie, and uh, it's a big hit. It's a huge hit. It wins all these festival prizes, whatever. And uh, Koji's old boxing coach watches it and tells him, you know, congratulations because you finally boxed a great match. Oh shit! So he's talking about that that, that end fight. <laughs> uh, and so after that, Koji decides that he wants to be an actor, and his brother sends him a text that says. Congratulations. If you want to be an actor, you should really think about joining a talent agency. I don't know any, though. And then in an interview, Shinya says, I still felt he should keep his day job as a cook. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, a, there's this interesting, like, uh, you, know, you talk about this friendship angle and stuff like that. They're, they're actually brothers. So I thought that that was a... A really kind of fascinating dynamic that at, like kind of adds to the whole movie, right? And his brother actually, unfortunately, his brother I think passed away. Uh, I don't know what he died of, but he died sometime in the mid two thousands. So uh, his head exploded. Kind of has a yeah, his head right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those all those wounds got came back to him, right? But uh, no, everything that like I said, everything that I've read about Sukumoto is really fascinating because he. He does, uh, he runs a really tight ship. He always goes over schedule and over budget because he'll shoot the same scene over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and he's just kind of this sort of brutal taskmaster who, who doesn't like communicate. You know, you either vibe with him and understand what he's trying to get at, or he just kind of gets really cold and stops talking to you. Nah. So it's an interesting way of making things. I fuck with that so heavy. Any artist like that. Because, like, also being a creative, that shit to me is, like, really inspiring. Like, because I feel like all creatives go through this thing where you have an idea in your head. And, like, in your head, it's, like, perfect, right? This this grand idea. And you want to execute that. And then, like, you spend time, resources, money, whatever, talent, effort, trying to get as close to, like, your original head like image of what it is whether it's like a song or a fucking movie a picture whatever and then like i feel like at some point 
you have to like either you know continue to pump shit into this until you get even closer because it's like i don't know it never just happens on the first try you have to like you know keep keep working towards it so it's like it's either you fucking you know call it and you're like okay this is this is good right this is objectively good i know it's good but it's not exactly what i pictured in my head or you just like keep going so like those perfectionists that like just keep going until it is like their head image like whatever they were envisioning originally it's like i respect that i admire that because it's so fucking like stressful trying to get to that sometimes that vibe thing i can totally get to because like when uh um well you know and like rappers feature on different things it's not uh for the most part from like when i've been present or when i've like worked with other people you uh you just show them the song and you might already have your part or someone else's part on it and then they just go and do their shit it's not like you're not well i mean if you're like kanye or tyler the creator you are instructing people to do stuff but for the most part you just like give them the thing and they're like okay yeah fuck with this and then they do their own thing and they just know what to bring to it nah i've been inspired by them just like you said because it's like i still have this like image in my head so like now whenever i want to like work with another artist it's like i already have an idea of like kind of what sound from them that i admire that like i want on it so it's like i'll give them direction now i I never used to do that it was like you said i would be like yo let's work together and i I send them something that's like 75 percent done and then they just interpret in their own way and like sometimes that shit is really cool but now i've like leveled up a little bit where i'm like all right like you know how you have this song i really like how you rap on here like this is the like subject matter and i would like you to like rap like that right here you have like 40 seconds to go crazy but like i kind of want you in this pocket because like i think it would be crazy like if you rap like how you rapped on this song on this one it would it would like really enhance it ramp it up type shit hell yeah i think shinya sukamoto could take some lessons from you maybe (laughs) <laughs> i feel like just not giving any like direction at all i feel like that probably made it better because it's like he wasn't an actor you know what i mean he's just like a boxer and like i feel like some of that shit even though it's obviously for a movie like still being there because it's 1995 so like i feel like cgi special effects were a little bit more like you know the uh the real shit you have like a machine there that's like squirting the blood like it's, this is before they fucking did a lot of shit with computers i feel like they were they're just like starting to get into that so like i just shit is i feel like that added to like the chaos of the performance like because you're just like what the fuck is going on like i don't know that's how i would feel if, if my brother was like hey come make a movie with me you're gonna be a boxer and i'm like oh yeah i am a boxer right he didn't have a script written so i can't read it and then i start filming and he's like yeah for this scene you're gonna get your face beat the fuck in like yeah yeah and he uh he used he invested his own money he borrowed money and he also uh took sponsorships from the boxing companies whose gear you see in the movie and that would become a theme for how he financed his movies in the future basically completely completely self-finance um and he won one of the prizes at uh, i think france or italy one of those places, and he used that money to, uh, I don't know, to like just to pay all, he said to pay his crew, 
when I read that, I thought like, wait, he wasn't paying anybody? What the fuck? How did? <laughs> it's just like a just like a promise. But sometimes that shit works out really well uh, if you take back end money instead of up front. Who was um? What's the guy's name? I love this actor too. Who's the guy who's in? He's in Atlanta and uh, and Get Out uh, and Lakeith Sorry to Stanfield. Bother You. Right, right. Lakeith Stanfield made a shitload of money because he took back end profits on Get Out instead of upfront payment. Like he made he made millions. That's how he made his millions. Was uh, was taking a cut of the final final Bro, film. So sometimes really that smart. shit can work out. If you believe in if you believe in the project, that's smart. Yeah. Which how could uh, you not believe in Get Out? That's such a strong movie, strong message. Like. Oh yeah, Get Out was destined to be big. It hit at the right time. Yeah, dude, it was perfect. For, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you like Us? Did I like Us? I think Us is a better scary movie. I think Get Out is like a better like time piece of a movie. I think it'll probably like cement itself a lot more. It'll probably be talked mm-hmm. about more than Us, but I think Us is like a better like horror movie. I did like Us. Yeah, I like the the remix that they did for for us for that uh i got five on it oh that, yeah uh, that re- like i was looking everywhere on the soundtrack for that the string rendition of yeah. i got and i would just, <laughs> i would just kind of listen to that i was like this is my favorite part of the whole movie yeah so that right. and uh were the two uh the t- the the twin lady uh, that when they fight at the end, I thought that fight was like really balletic and really well shot. Where the the jumpsuit woman is just fucking her up, yeah, She's, like, doing all these crazy moves. That was like it was a really good climax to the to the whole movie. Leading I didn't really get the, the whole like. Dude, it's like a nice little ramp up. I think A two four should take some fucking notes, man. That's my biggest gripe with them. I know I'm like jumping around the topics, but I feel like they make such great movies, but then like they never uh, like reach a fucking, they never reach a height like of anything. I mean, they don't make right. them all, but as a studio that produces them, it's like where is the fucking climax? Like it's always just like a three second thing, and then it's over. It's like, Dude, I know that A twenty four gets a lot of shit recently, but they they put out midsummer and hereditary and those movies are incredible so they're they'll always be fine in my book just if just for those two movies see and that's my biggest problem with hereditary too i feel like if like hereditary just leaned a little bit harder on the gas pedal like definitely that movie just makes you feel something like it definitely like just encapsulates a certain like headspace that i'm sure everyone has been in and it like just takes you to that place and keeps you there for an uncomfortable amount of time and like I fuck with it and then like the ending comes and then there's like a lot of really weird themes and occult shit going on and it, it just doesn't last long enough for me I just wanted that for like more I wanted to feel like the fucking fear part a little bit more like I was definitely uncomfortable and like in a good way and like definitely right. I don't know. I just that's my biggest gripe with them. Even with Midsommar, is like this shit is like really good. The imagery, how it's shot, like some of the emotions that I'm feeling here. But then like the scary part just needs to fucking last a little bit longer. Like, well, and that's the thing though is that I don't really I don't see Midsummer as a as a horror movie really. That's how it was marketed, and it does have its like scary elements, but it feels more just like its own beast. This bright sunny. I don't know. It just it got me in touch with these notions of death 
all the way from when you know the old people are doing the Aten stupa where they jump off a cliff because they're too old right uh, all the way to the, the the pyramid structure burning at the end with that you know amazing soundtrack just kind of blaring i don't i don't know dude it's like midsummer to me i know i use this word a lot but it's just a vibe the whole movie is a vibe to me and it's kind of it's it's greater than the sum of its parts everything kind of goes together and so if i feel like hereditary was aiming more for a typical horror structure with you know the the kid getting slowly possessed and you know the the little sister getting her head knocked off by the pole and all that kind of shit but yeah. midsummer just feels like i don't know just feels different nah i agree with that that's a, that's a pretty good point honestly and i think if you mm-hmm. look at it not like a horror movie it like makes it a lot better movie overall as if you just look at it yeah. like a fucking like psychological thriller kind of thing then like the shit mm-hmm. it's it's a good ass movie yeah. i'm just a fucking yeah. like horror movie fanatic bro i'm like bro send the scary shit in like send the possessed people i want to see some <laughs> somebody get stabbed like rios yeah. asked me the other day what my what my scariest movies were and i was like jacob's ladder is up there um but then i was like i gotta i gotta cheat though i gotta go with video games because i think i think silent hill 2 is the scariest silent hill 2 thing that i've experienced so fucking sc- i want them to do a like a remaster or like a hd or something so bad man yeah yeah i just beat the uh the re2 remake which is great fantastic they did bro. All that. They nailed it it's perfect it, it's so annoying because the re3 remake is like they didn't put as much into it right and that one's like sixty dollars i got i got re2 for like 30 bucks it was on sale and then I, when it was done they got the little link they're like do you want to play nemesis or whatever i was like fuck yeah and that was six sixty dollars i'm like i'm gonna beat this game in like two hours i'm not paying sixty dollars yeah, for, man, for, I don't know what they're thinking. I think it's because they shipped it off. From what I understand, as far as the development goes, uh, Capcom like really had their hands in it for RE2, and then after that blew up so well, they were working on the uh, the eighth game. So they were like, okay, while we're working on the eighth game, we're gonna ship it off to another studio of like people that we know are talented to remake the third with the same engine with the whatever the new asian uh it's like the creation engine or something and um they just didn't like get what's so good about the resident evil games like the alternate routes and all the other shit and they just like made it super fucking linear to the point uh to the point where capcom was like okay you guys are essentially fired you're not going to because they have plans to remake the fourth so they took it back in studio uh, main studio and they're remaking the fourth just uh capcom developed that's gonna be so tight yeah man it's, it's gonna be so a good one. tight they ought to make a video game inspired by tokyo fist that would be that's insane right. as a story related game it'd be insane the only thing is like i feel like most people wouldn't like it because like everybody plays a video game to like win that's that was the problem i don't know if you guys know anything about like the last of us 2 and like oh, the debacle around that people were super tilted about that game man yeah because uh the what was it It had like an underwhelming um last part right yeah people were upset about the ending and shit like that but i feel like that's because you know people play a video game and even though i feel like video games are like the best form of like interactive media because you get to like control like the smaller sections and, and it just like lasts longer you know 
you might get a montage of a guy training up before he has the big fight you know like in rocky or some shit like that you get the training montage if you play a video game based off rocky you do all that shit you get to fight all the smaller fights and stuff like that it makes it like more immersive i don't know for me at least but i feel like everybody plays a video game to like get to the end beat a final boss you know you beat the boss and then you win so it's like the last of us 2 is like you get there but then there's like a really important like story thing that's like super fucking fire and like plays on the idea of like uh revenge and shit like that and like i don't know it's so fucking good and it's like a story related thing but it's super underwhelming as like a video game experience because it's like okay we got here this is the person this is the big bad the villain you know what i mean i beat everything to get here not only that but i've had like characters that i love die and shit to get here and then like you're basically giving me the message that like revenge is bad and like it locks you out of doing anything you can't fucking kill the villain and it's like people were super salty but i'm like dog that's way harder like that's like a better overall story experience it's like you know sometimes say, a video yeah, game sounds, is not that as better as beat the boss and then you win it's like yeah it's better like i don't know I, that's just me though i'm trying to get everybody on video games i think like that's the wave one of the first yep. last of us almost had something like that where like you i guess you get the catharsis because when you're running through that really difficult hospital uh level like to save ellie like you feel like that climactic catharsis but yeah. then it's just kind of like he kind of gives up at the end he's like okay this kid needs some structure like we we just got to go back from to where we came from right yeah i and see i i also feel like getting rid of like a, a character like that because that's another thing too with people like people love uh like certain ips like you know mario crash bandicoot like even on playstation side like kratos god of war and shit like that like if they made a new if in the new god of war game you don't play as kratos you play as the sun and they kill kratos people will flip the fuck out because like people rely so heavily on like i guess like certain ips or whatever it's like but to me i'm you know it makes me ask the question like are you playing the game to be that character or are you playing the game to like experience what it has to like offer you i don't know i feel like that is is better it's like the journey is better than the destination type shit you know what i mean just let it just let it happen man like it doesn't have to be like mario 72 you know what i mean they could kill mario we could get fucking edgar as the new nintendo hero and i would be all for it if it like made sense and had a crazy story to it like i think that uh yeah the leaps that have been made in video game storytelling since i played i stopped playing at ps2 because i got the red ring of death in 2004 <laughs> and i just decided i wasn't going to play anymore and i got a i got a ps5 like six months ago Hell and yeah. uh i've been kind of just blown away with like i said the leaps and bounds in in storytelling and ragnarok looks like shit man i don't know is it going to be elden ring or is it going to be ragnarok for game of the year i don't yeah, know dude. it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight it's gonna be a but wait is ragnarok 21 or 22 it's coming out next year right it's i think ragnarok's 22 yeah. yeah okay i think ragnarok's so yeah, that'll, that'll be a fight yeah man 
I, I'm super excited for that. I think any uh, any shit coming from like PlayStation Studios themselves in the near future for like their flagship games, I expect. I don't like to get too crazy on hype because then I just get disappointed. But it's like I expect them to further like push the line uh, of like interactive media and shit like that. It's shit, even people like Kojima, like bringing in like big famous recognizable faces and actors into uh his games to like star as main characters and shit like that like further i feel like blurs the line between like film and uh video games like it's getting it's getting thinner and thinner bro i feel like soon video games are gonna be like the superior way to experience that i mean nothing beats like a well calculated movie when it like all hits like perfectly because you know you cut the fluff out and it helps keep you engaged with like what's important but still like you know being like being having full control of the main character in a movie feeling like your decisions matter and then like you know getting the little parts and shit like that to me sometimes just hits so much harder yeah i want to get involved in writing video games that's that's kind of the move that i've been trying to scoot towards because books are cool I, I love and I'll always love books, but it's just not the same opportunity that you have. I played uh, Disco Elysium, and I was like, "See, I want to do some shit like this." You know, Bro, Disco Elysium like, is crazy. It's so good. It's, really it's so, good. It's, and it's basically a book. It's basically a book, but the music and the visuals and the branching storyline and how you choose to play the character, it it simply does things that a book cannot. So it's very compelling as an artistic medium. Yeah, I feel that, bro. Honestly, I need to get back to... It's like, I haven't read a fictional, like, story in a long time. Like, because I read books. It's like, shit, I uh, I read fucking uh, Kelby's uh, two books recently. But it's like, I that's like a lot of the books that I fucking read. You know what I mean? It's like people just, like, talking about shit that they've been through or, like, experiences, like this rich ass dude like how he came up type shit like you know autobiographical or just like story related type of shit self-help type shit that's like a majority of the fucking books that i read i haven't read like a fucking just like a fictional storybook in like damn since school days bro it's crazy i should read a book well it's a different it's a different experience because what a book can do that that no other medium can do is get you into the head of characters and I think that there is no other medium that actually engages your own imagination the way that books can. So it's more of an exercise, which is why I feel like a lot of people don't do it because, you know, because we have movies and video games, right? And there's nothing against movies and video games. I love both of them, but books are just a different they're they're the closest thing between entertainment and an actual discipline that we have so it's it's whether or not you think you can get something out of that i think the actual experience of the reading rather than uh you know with video games or you know movies yeah i feel that it's like my imagination has to be on if i don't if i'm not getting like if i'm not getting those like vivid mental pictures when i'm reading a book a fiction book specifically and then it's like i can't i gotta put it down it makes it i'll can't finish it like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if it's not really like mm-hmm. you know doing it for me but but to that same thing i've forced myself through a lot of shit because like i don't know i'm super into nerd culture so like that's how it was with me for like the hobbit and lord of the rings and shit like that like i don't know 
even with like the reference of the movies I, I still was not getting the fucking imagery in my head when i like i forced myself mm-hmm. through the hobbit and all the lord of the rings and it was just like damn dude like why did i do that to myself <laughs> yeah and that's why i feel like the best writing uh people say this about both mine and david's writing because um and uh Dave, david's a writer too uh and i did i didn't introduce y'all professionally um but aside from being a star of green room as the man who throws the beer bottle in the beginning that's right David, that's yeah. right <laughs> david's also a, a writer uh, yeah. i have i have one i have one movie credit and it's as a skinhead which is Hell great yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's a he's a white nationalist <laughs> did you ever did you ever see green room i haven't seen, wait hold on let me uh, let me type it in i might fucking have seen it actually Oh, this fucking movie! Wait, wait, wait! You're in this movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my fucking god, that's crazy, yeah. bro! <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah. Amazing. Yep. I, I I throw a beer bottle and I get it and I'm in the mosh pit, and uh, the the bad guy, the bad scary Nazi guy, rubs my head in one scene, and I remember that because we had to do like eight takes, and he rubbed my head over and over again. It was very intimate. <laughs> that's so fire. <laughs> if he'd have rubbed any more you'd have turned into an actual nazi so right that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we caught up but yeah with the like with our writing like i actually like the most um criticism i get is it's too short but the most like uh praise that i get is that it's like uh very vivid which is um a successful trick that's being done is because like I try to leave out descriptions as much and only put in key shit that like unlocks the reader's imagination and I think that's like that's what you have to do as a as like a writer of books you have to like engage with the reader's imagination and try to uh, get them to to pull a lot of the legwork instead of like yeah, with Lord of the Rings, I don't know exactly what you're saying. Like, I'd seen the movies and I tried reading the books, and I was like, I, "What? What is happening?" <laughs> yeah. Well, as you see, Kelby, in Lord of the, they, they, there's this ring, and the ring is really bad, <laughs> and and they're trying to throw the ring into a volcano, but uh, you know, it gets complicated because people want the ring, and I can tell you the whole plot after the show. I'll, I'll fill you in. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, based on just what you've told me, it sounds like a metaphor for World War II. <laughs> oh, sick. Bro, uh, uh, what was it? Tolkien and Carl Jung were, were really good friends, and they had a lot of the same visions, right? Because Carl Jung famously had that vision before World War One, where he, uh, he was doing his depth psychology shit, and he saw an ocean of blood covering Europe. And uh, Tolkien had a really similar experience. So they're, they're both operating in the same realms of magic and the occult and depth psychology. And uh, so all that, all that history is really worth looking at if, you, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. To tie that into Tokyo Fist. Uh, oh yeah, Tokyo Fist. <laughs> 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 what would you give this movie out of 10, out of 10 stars? Out of ten stars, uh, out of ten, it's an eight five for me. 
It's an 8.5. There's some parts of it that, uh, I don't know. I, I rewatched parts of it recently just to like refresh myself once you told me that you wanted to do a thing on it. And uh, certain parts of the movie, the pacing is kind of weird, but I feel like it's just indicative of the time period. I don't know, but other than that, it's fucking fire. I like the overall uh, imagery told through like the story that's going on with the actual fucking images of like extreme gore is fire. I give it an 85. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably give it a 9. Like, uh, obviously it, it makes me think of a lot of shit as this episode has been indicative of. Um, it's not gonna leave my head for ever, especially that end. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, she, uh, and it might make sense rewatching it, like, but like the way the characters are kind of, kind of act at the beginning was kind of off to me, and it might make sense now knowing where they're coming from. So I have to rewatch it. But yeah, no, same thing. There was a little bit of that pacing shit. I was just like, what? Like, I don't know. It, it feels mm-hmm. a little bit off. But um, otherwise, a fucking dope movie. Yeah. I'll give it a I'll go pitchfork with it I'll give it an 8.7 <laughs> hey. y'all ever notice by the way before we go real quick I don't want to drag this out too much y'all ever notice that like everything on pitchfork right now is between a 7 and an, like an 8.5 like everything it's like 7.3 7.7 seven, 7.6 seven, 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 yeah, I don't know why they do like the uh, like why they don't just do like increments of fucking point five or whatever it, it never makes any sense to me mm-hmm all right everybody thanks for listening thank you sir kelby you 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 would show up anyway but thank you uh uh, yeah guys it's been it's been a lot of fun i appreciate it hell yeah if i have any parting words uh fucking think for yourself ask questions